J.K. Rowling was cancelled to begin with. Happy Holidays! You're listening to the Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club that's about the Muppets this week. The Marleys were dead to begin with. Oh, well, pardon me? That's how the story begins, Rizzo. The Marleys were dead to begin with. As dead as a doornail. It's a good beginning. It's creepy and kind of woohoo, spooky. Oh, thank you, Rizzo. You're welcome, Mr. Dickens. A Merry Christmas, Uncle Scrooge. God save you. Merry Christmas. Uh, Humbug. Christmas or humbug, Uncle? Oh, you don't mean that, surely. Merry Christmas, you say. What right of you to be merry? You're poor enough. What right of you to be dismal? You're rich enough. He's got him there, the old boy's speechless. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips would be cooked with his own turkey Mm. and buried with a steak of holly through his heart. Well, not quite speechless. The founder of the feast, Mr. Scrooge. To Mr. Scrooge, you'll be very merry and happy this day, I have no doubt. No doubt. Cheers. God bless us, everyone. I'm Heather Price Wright. And I'm Alex Dallenberg. And Harry Potter Internet has been a steaming pile of shit this week. It's December 22nd. We are about to enjoy some festive holiday days with our families. And we don't want to deal with she who must not be named right now. If you don't know what we're talking about, Google J.K. Rowling news and um, (laughs) get up to speed on everything bad we will be discussing in depth at a future episode so don't worry we'll be back with your regularly scheduled content but it's christmas time so well for us who celebrate christmas so in the meantime let's talk about a muppet christmas carol the best adaptation of a christmas carol potentially i mean in my mind the far and away standout best christmas movie period (laughs) and I would say the second best Muppet movie after the Muppet movie. I think it's my second favorite. I think you're right, yeah. Um, Which is kind of sad because it is actually the first one that Brian Henson made after Jim Henson died. But I think Jim Henson's great contribution was actually the Muppet show. So anyway, we're talking about the Muppet Christmas Carol. And, um, you know, spoilers and cursing. We've already cursed. You'll hear spoilers for... A Christmas Carol, I guess, for a Muppet Christmas Carol. Spoilers, there's Muppets in A Christmas Carol. And Scrooge turns out chill, (laughs) which is the main spoiler. You will also hear some adult themes. This week's adult themes are social Darwinism, Victorian London, hauntings, mortality, and practical effects. Do we need to say what happened? I think we basically just recapped it. Basically, Scrooge is a dick. He's played by Michael Caine in this particular instance. And uh, as the internet has pointed out, he is supernaturally terrorized into sharing. (laughs) There's some tweet that goes viral like every Christmas that says Christmas Carol is the best Christmas story because it shows that rich people have to be supernaturally terrorized into like being decent human beings. So yeah, that's the plot. We're not going to do a more thorough summary, except to tell you that the main characters, other than Ebenezer Scrooge himself, 
and his weird love interest, Belle. His nephew is also a human. It'd oh, be, that's right. It'd be weird if he had a muff, Muppet. Muffet? <laughs> <laughs> it'd be weird if he had a Muppet nephew, because then that implies some, like, There's, really strange biology. There are Muppets that are related to humans in other Muppet movies. Oh, I guess you're right. I don't know. I think it's the understanding, and I think we're going to get into this more, but the understanding is that Muppets and humans are virtually interchangeable in the Muppet universe. <laughs> so Bob Cratchit is played by Kermit the Frog. Charles Dickens himself slash the narrator is played by Gonzo with Rizzo as his sidekick who's just Rizzo. As himself. Yeah. It literally says Rizzo as himself in the credits. <laughs> um, Mrs. Cratchit is Miss Piggy. The rats all play the bookkeepers. I mean, those are kind of the main characters. The ghosts aren't like traditional Muppets. They're their own thing. Yeah, but they're all... They're Muppety, not the first one. Even she is more puppet than human. Right. I mean, I think they made her at least partly out of practical effects. Yeah. I'm actually really curious how they made the first... How they made the Ghost of Christmas Past. So that's who plays it, and I think that leads us straight into sort of a central question of the Muppet universe, which the is... The MCU? Yes. The Muppet, <laughs> the Muppet Cinematic, Cinematic Universe. universe. Which is, are the Muppets sort of themselves actors slash public figures? Like, Kermit the Frog appears as Kermit the Frog in stuff. Like, Kermit goes on talk shows (laughs) as Kermit. And, yeah, so the credits, I mean, if you haven't watched Muppet Christmas Carol, like, please just stop this podcast now and... Go, like, find... It's on Disney+. Plus. It's on Disney+. Plus. I, you, I'm sure you can rent it on Amazon. Go watch it. You owe it to yourself to watch this film. It's also only 80 minutes long. And even if you don't celebrate Christmas, it's honestly a killer ghost story. There is no reason in the world not to watch and enjoy The Muppet Christmas Carol. With hot cocoa or whatever yeah, seasonal treat you prefer. Eggnog. Anyway, so the opening credits roll. Yeah, it says... Kermit the Frog as Bob Cratchit. The Great Gonzo. As Charles Dickens. So yeah, we're we're sort of meant to understand that the Muppets are starring as other people that aren't their Muppet characters. Which implies that the Muppet characters themselves are sort of like intrinsic beings in the entertainment universe. I mean, obviously the post- Movie credits credit the puppeteers, who are the actual human beings who are being these Muppets. But there's something incredible about the Muppets to me because they are fundamentally their own thing in a way that very few cultural sort of touchstones are to me. Like Kermit is Kermit. Kermit right. is a Kermit is a public figure, totally divorced from the fact that Kermit is like a fictional Kermit's a fucking puppet. Right. Played by Jim slash Brian Henson. I don't really know how to express what I mean exactly, but there's something wonderful about the fact that Kermit the Frog is an actor. Yeah. And he gives a bang up performance as Bob Cratchit. Brian Henson is playing Kermit the Frog, playing the role of Bob Cratchit. And that's so meta. Well, all of these Muppet movies, there's a, I guess there's really only two. Muppet Treasure Island is also pretty great because Tim Curry is one of the only other actors who can passively perform alongside puppets. With the gravitas. But a lot of 
these a lot of a Muppet Christmas Carol plays with our understanding of the existing relationships between the Muppets and the existing character traits of the Muppets themselves like outside of the Christmas Carol characters they're playing for it's just fucking delightful to me everything about the Muppets delights me but I think I love that they're puppets so they're f- sort of for young people but as a grown-up, they get me into like a total intellectual knot about sort of like <laughs> artifice and celebrity and what it means to be or seem real or genuine because they are real people who are not real people. They are fucking felt. I think it's sort of a meta commentary on like the nature of entertainment itself and yeah like you were saying artifice and just like acting in general because i mean so we're watching we've been talking about adam driver a lot lately so we're watching adam driver or whatever in star wars he's kylo ren but we all know it's fucking adam driver but the character of adam driver is an actor constructed out of the real person Adam Driver to create a public persona. Yeah. In almost the same way as Kermit the Frog is constructed out of sort of the mind of Jim slash Brian Henson. So despite the fact that Kermit is felt, I think he's not much less real than the kind of like artificial character of any given like actor Tom who Cruise is or showing up in public spaces as a constructed version of whatever his like real self is. Right. Yeah. All celebrity is constructed and Kermit is just like a nice indication of that because he's a fucking felt frog. <laughs> but I don't think I don't know. I, my belief is that the Muppets are not inherently any more fake. Not that celebrities are fake in a bad way, but being famous means living a lot of your public life in a constructed self. Right. Honestly, Harry kind of experiences this. Yeah, you're right. Like fame makes you sort of layer on a public construction of self. And, you know, I think it says something very playful about our suspension of disbelief when we watch a movie. Like the Muppets are very much about movies and television. They're commentaries on movies and television. So the Muppet Christmas Carol does something like super delightful because we have to suspend our disbelief twice over. Yeah, it is a double suspension of disbelief in a way that's, you're right, playful is a great word for it. It's fun. It's also kind of intellectually interesting. Anyway, we don't have to keep talking about like the constructed fame of the Muppets. What do we think about this as an adaptation of A Christmas Carol, which is a classic novel with infinite adaptations, most of which, to my mind, are quite bad. (laughs) Have you seen other Christmas Carol adaptations besides The Muppets? I I have seen the beginnings of many, and I've been immediately infuriated that they don't star Muppets, and I've been like, what the fuck am I watching this for? This is so boring. There are no puppets in this. I love the story of A Christmas Carol. I think it has one of the most satisfying denouements of, like, any story. It's just timeless. I stand a happy ending, and it has, like, the happiest ending. But is there a better, other than the novel, which is great, Charles Dickens is a weird writer. The novel itself is extremely strange. And the Muppet Christmas Carol pulls amply from the source material. Like, Gonzo 
as Charles Dickens is, like, reading verbatim passages from A Christmas Carol. Right. So a thing it does better, I think, than other movies and shows that use this source material is interact directly with the text in a way that obviously knowing our tastes we really appreciate. Yes, there are a lot of a lot of the really great lines from the novel A Christmas Carol do show up in The Muppet Christmas Carol. And they don't try to make it something it's not. Like they're not like, oh, it's gritty or right. like, you know, it's like a psychological thriller or like whatever. It's like a morality tale with puppets. I feel like I feel like I saw an adaptation of A Christmas Carol where it's like set in like the frontier of Canada and there's like Mounties. I, I don't know. Christmas Carol gets like mounted in all these different like it's become like Shakespeare, right? You like set it in Yeah, it's like, like a Christmas locations. Carol, yeah. but it's in space. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that'd be awesome. No, it wouldn't. A Christmas Carol depends on its milieu a great deal. That's true. All right, fair enough. But Scroo- Victorian- Scrooge, have you seen have you seen Scrooge? I have not seen Scrooge. Bill Murray, man. Okay, but Scrooge also I would not call a direct like faithful adaptation of a Christmas Carol. Right. Okay. Right? Yeah, like, this that's is like drawn straight... from, but this is actually just, here's the story of A Christmas Carol. And it relies on being set in Victorian London because there are very specific, like, social and cultural norms right. at play that Dickens, like, derives most of his plot from. Well, as an adaptation, I think it works 100%. I hit, it hits the main beats that you want out of a christmas carol while also kind of getting at its underlying social commentary we have this scene with the caroling rabbit he's caroling scrooge turns him away and then it just sort of cuts to him like shivering why should that rabbit be so cold well he's living in a newspaper outside yeah i mean i don't think i would say that there is underlying social commentary in a christmas carol i think a christmas carol is it's all social commentary. I mean, yeah. Like okay. the it's surface under, is not, social yeah. commentary. The subtext is the text. Yes. Uh, there's no subtext. But the message is more than be nice at Christmas time. Right. Which is a great thing because the Muppet Christmas Carol doesn't gloss over the fact that it's about greed and poverty more than about like being Christmassy means like being nice to your friends. Right. So, yeah, there's this very poor homeless rabbit. Also, one of the cutest Muppets. Yeah. He shows up in some Muppet movies, and I think he's, like, on the Muppet show sometimes. I don't know the, the rabbit's real name. Again. I guess we're not true <laughs> His Muppet. real name. <laughs> but, what is that rabbit's given name? Um, I guess we're not true Muppet aficionados, then. Well, whatever. Maybe not. He's a, he's a lesser Muppet. One thing that these Muppet movies do really well is draw pretty peak performances out of like venerable actors as they fully commit to acting alongside these puppets and I honestly think Michael Caine in the whole Muppet Pantheon is the best example of this. Christmas is a very busy time for us Mr. Cratchit. People preparing feasts, giving parties, spending the mortgage money on frivolities. One might say that December is the foreclosure season. Harvest time for the moneylenders. Hey, boys, add some. Oh, Tell him, Mr. Yeah, yeah, come, yeah, on, come on, come on. Do it now. Do it now. If you please, Mr. Scrooge, it's gotten colder. Yeah. Any bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal yeah. for the fire? We can't do the bookkeeping. Yeah, all of our pens have turned to inksicles. Yeah. Our assets are frozen. How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly... Unemployed! He's This is my island in the sun. <laughs> 
I believe you've convinced them once again, Mr. Scrooge. Michael Caine has committed with all his heart in A Muppet Christmas Carol to like being fully present in this Muppet world. He doesn't overplay it either. Like he doesn't play it for laughs. Like, oh, this is Kermit the Frog. Right. He actually gives a really subtle and like emotionally moving performance. Yeah, because you can't like top the energy of the Muppets. So he's not, it's not actually a scenery chewing performance. And he kind of knows that. Like no. it's a very honestly, in my mind, a Muppet Christmas Carol like cements Michael Caine as like one of the greatest living actors. <laughs> it's one of his better performances. I mean, because the thing is, like, Scrooge can be a caricature. Right. And Michael Caine's Scrooge, alongside all of these adorable puppets, is really finely tuned. And his transformation is deeply emotionally satisfying when he's begging the ghost of Christmas yet to come to tell him whether what he's seeing in the future can be changed his emotions are really raw and real yeah I don't know I think Michael Caine performing alongside Muppets is sort of like was truly meant to be Tim Curry is also very good alongside Muppets and Muppet Treasure Island he's also he's a legit scary Scrooge oh yeah I mean he's got well he's just his face no, he's just very expressive. I like, guess that's a stupid thing to say about a truly extraordinary actor, but yeah. Well, there's this scene where he's talking with Bob Cratchit about how Christmas is their busy season because people are spending monies on frivolities, so it's like foreclosure season. And he just grins and says, harvest time for the money lenders." And he's got these gold teeth, and it's the only time he's really smiled. Oh, but it's this like kind of wolfish. Mm-hmm joyless smile that I think is a line from the book yeah again so you have some of this dialogue obviously a lot of the dialogue is written like for the movie but it does borrow some of its really choice lines from the source material harvest season for the moneylenders is a great line mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's in the book maybe it certainly sounds like it so <laughs> what maybe if it's not it's not and then I mean obviously like The thing that's so weird about the Muppets is, like we talked about before, you do sort of forget that there are performers underneath the performers. And the puppeteering that these Muppet people do just, it blows my fucking mind. They're so alive. Yeah. They're so, their movements are so, they're like jerky and puppety. Like it's nice because you don't get actual sort of like human verisimilitude. But they have this, their own way of moving that feels just as fully alive and realized as human movements. It just happens to be like how Muppets move. And I don't know, the puppeteering is amazing. The voices are great. They do such a good job. And there's so many different, unique Muppets. And they're all just doing such weird shit. Like when the penguins are ice skating, (laughs) that's amazing puppetry. Did you find this movie spooky as a kid? I find it spooky now. It's spooky as fuck. It gets, that's another way it's a good adaptation because it gets at the underlying like creepiness of A Christmas Carol. It is a genuine ghost story, which is the great thing about it. A Christmas Carol is amazing. It is the perfect combination of a Christmas story and a ghost story. And yes, I think the Muppet Christmas Carol at times is very scary. Like when he's waiting for the first ghost to show up and the, the bell goes off. Well, even, yeah, when the first ghost shows up and she's this ethereal, I mean, I don't know if you remember the description of that first ghost from A Christmas Carol, but I looked it up. 
and it's like kind of a cherubin and seraphim situation like it's actually very biblical it's supposed to sort of have like infinite arms and legs and this sort of like fractured like human but unhuman face and nobody's been able to like adapt that description very well I don't think and honestly like having access to puppets is why this adaptation of A Christmas Carol gets that ghost so perfect because she is she doesn't like exactly mirror the text but she's deeply uncanny in the way an actual actor couldn't be in that scene yeah i found the ghost of christmas past when i was a kid pretty freaky uh that being said most things freaked me out as a little kid oh you were scared of everything but i mean i was like put on a proton pack put this ghost in a ghost trap (laughs) get this ghost out of here and she's not even (laughs) this ghost needs to get busted (laughs) she's not i mean all of them i like that they're all emotionally manipulative ghosts (laughs) they're not like spooky well the last one is spooky but even the ghost of christmas present he's like very jocular and fun and sort of like a like a santa claus hagrid figure but he fuck Scrooge up emotionally because he shows them all these scenes of people experiencing joy and also hating Ebenezer Scrooge and Scrooge is like why are you showing me this and he's like oh ho 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 so even that even the kindest ghost is still yeah his haunting is just emotional manipulation (laughs) and then of course the Muppets invented Dementors yeah the ghost of Christmas future that fully fucked me up as it's an eight-year-old. It's so scary. Also, Gonzo and Rizzo, or Charles Dickens and Rizzo, bail on you. They say, this part's too scary. We're out. And yeah. I, I felt very betrayed by Which them Which actually every is time. scary because it is this feeling of being left to your own devices in the scariest part. You kind of come, you don't realize that you come to rely on the kind of like soothing narrative authority of the great Gonzo <laughs> until he like bounces and you're like, Jesus Christ, anything could happen in these scenes. Well, they, they're constantly breaking the tension. Well, and breaking the fourth wall. It's very like Brechtian. Yes, yes. Um, in like a fun when way. They, like there's this moment when they have to remind Sam the Eagle of his lines because he's going on about like industry and business and he says, it's the American way. They whisper in his ear and he says, oh, it's the British way. So yeah, there's these constant reminders that you're watching a movie. Which again is what one of the things the Muppets do best. The thing about the Muppet movie is that it's like a movie within a movie within a movie. Yeah, and they love they love playing with that. Like when they find the script, when Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem and the Muppet movie find the script and use it to like... Find them in the desert. Provide like assistance at critical moments. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem a little bit later. But um, what's your favorite part of this movie? I mean... I love it when Scrooge gets redeemed and is just buying presents for everyone. It's so euphoric. And Michael Caine does the goofiest but nicest dance. I mean, the whole movie is gold. I love, I just love the ending. Uh, It's so euphoric when Scrooge is just like throwing money everywhere and buying Christmas turkeys. And I, I just think that's so fucking nice. So I have a really specific answer for this question and you know it because I genuinely sob at this scene every time I cried a bunch of times I've seen this movie 50 times and we watched it yesterday and I cried like six times even though I like know what happens in a Christmas carol but the time that makes me truly lose my shit every time I watch this movie is so earlier Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and Beaker who are again great Muppets 
show up at Scrooge's office to ask for a donation to the poor. And he's just like, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> That's the are there no poor houses scene, right? That's yeah. who mm-hmm. he says that to, which again, really good line. And so at the end, he like runs into Dr. Bunsen, Honeydew, and Beaker again and makes some kind of enormous donation. And they're astounded by his generosity and fucking Beaker. I'm going to cry talking about this. Beaker has this teeny red scarf and as a token of his thanks and because he wants to give Scrooge a gift he takes off this little red scarf and this Muppet puts this teensy scarf on Michael Caine and he just with such tenderness like touches it and like kind of throws it over his shoulder and it is one of the most beautiful exchanges on film as far as I'm concerned. And again, the fact that Michael Caine is interacting with such kindness and pathos with an extremely strange looking puppet, (laughs) like Beaker's one of the weirder ones, moves me to tears every time. Actually, you know what? I have have another favorite part. What part? I love the first song. Here comes Mr. What? Is there a name for that song? Well, they're all singing about what a dick Scrooge is. I'm sure there's a name for the song. Because they just... So many different indiv- like Muppets are in this musical number. Like they're singing sheep. There's that hilarious line where this cart of vegetables says that like even the vegetables some, don't like some, him. Yeah, after they like have some brutal put down of Scrooge. I just think I, the sheer like variety and like strangeness of the Muppets on display is just like it's this tour de force of like puppetry well and it features one of the better lines in a song in the movie which is where the mice go no cheeses for us mises (laughs) and it's like so cute so i think basically every story ever told should be a muppet story but let's talk about other kind of classic literature that we would like to see a Muppet version of. Yeah, why don't they do this anymore? We had Muppet Christmas Carol, we had Muppet Treasure Island, and then... They started making, like, original Muppet stories, which just haven't been as good. The Jason Segel one was okay because he has a deep love of the Muppets that I really appreciate. So I think as a performer, he came the closest to being able to, like, really express how great the Muppets are, but neither of the most recent ones were very good. I think... They should do Muppet Moby Dick. Um, Amazing. And obviously Ahab would be the the human character and Kermit would be Ishmael. And there's just so many options for like, well, I guess there's already like a, a Muppets on a boat movie. But so you just I, want Muppets Treasure Island, Muppet Treasure Island part two? No, because Moby Dick is weird in such specific ways. I don't know. I think they could... Much like they did with A Christmas Carol, I think the Muppets could really pull out what is profoundly strange about that text (laughs) and like bring it to life in a really excellent way. So I vote for Muppet Moby Dick. What about you? With Patrick Stewart reprising his role as Captain Ahab. (laughs) Absolutely. Patrick Stewart could act with Muppets. I feel like the Muppets really lend themselves to 19th century novels. The problem is there's not too many, there's not enough like female Muppets yeah, they so couldn't you can't do, do like, like Muppet Jane Austen. Or like Actually, Muppet you could Little probably Women. do Sense and Sense a bit. Not you could probably do Muppet Pride and Prejudice with Kermit as Darcy and. Uh, but Piggy is not an Elizabeth Bennet. Hmm. There's no Elizabeth Bennet Muppet. Yeah, I guess you're right. She could not play that role. Hmm. Piggy is a hard Muppet for me because 
Peggy kind of doesn't have the range. Like, she kind of plays, I mean, Kermit the Frog kind of plays the same character, but the character he plays is the everyman. So there's almost always a place for him in a story. Yeah. But the sort of size and velocity of Miss Piggy's personality makes her pretty ill-suited to roles that kind of fall outside of her personality, I guess. Yeah. I don't think she has a ton of... Because Kermit's kind of a cipher. Yeah, totally. So that brings us to whether it's possible to do a Muppet Harry Potter. Uh, I don't think so. I think you could do Sorcerer's Stone. Because it's simple enough? It's a simple, straightforward... plots become too interlocking. Yeah, I don't think you could do the whole series with Muppets, but who's your Muppet golden trio? Probably Kermit is Harry. Kermit is obviously Harry. Um, Hermione and Ron are tough. I would gender swap Hermione and Ron. I actually think I would cast Piggy in the Ron role and Gonzo in the Hermione role. Mm, that's interesting. I think they, as a trio, work really well. But I think Piggy is in no way a Hermione. I think she's got some of the diva qualities of a Ron Weasley. And Gonzo's like curiosity and kind of otherness and... Gonzo just sort of is kind of a fixer in the way Hermione is. (laughs) So that would be my golden trio. But Hermione's not weird. And Gonzo's weird as hell. Hermione's kind of weird. Yeah. She could be. You lose some of the, like, girl power aspect of, is that a weird way to put it? But you would lose some of the... Yeah, I mean, like I don't think it's swapping perfect. Hermione, you would lose some of her kind of essence. But instead, you'd have this, like, strange, like, Ron figure. Yeah. And there is something about Ron that is, like, pretty fundamentally in love with Harry in a really emotionally manipulative way. So I actually <laughs> think the Kermit-Piggy relationship and the Harry-Ron relationship have a fair amount of overlap. I just want, you know, the Muppets should do, they should just go, like, Wishbone style and do, like... The next Muppet show should just be novel adaptations, like half-hour novel adaptations, like fucking Wishbone. Did anybody watch Wishbone? Have we discussed Wishbone? I'm sure we have. On this podcast, with Wishbone, almost certainly. Wishbone was fucking amazing. Um, the other thing about a Muppet Harry Potter that would work, I agree with you that in general, it's like probably would be really hard to pull off. But all of the adult actors are such venerable figures that like. Dame Maggie Smith could absolutely she perform with Muppets. She definitely had the gravitas. Honestly, of all actors in the whole canon, it's so sad because Alan Rickman would be a perfect foil to the Muppets. I would <laughs> kill to see Alan Rickman in a Muppet movie, and it's so sad that that will never happen for us. Yeah. He would be great. I mean, I guess we sort of, should we do a little bit of Muppet sorting? Sure. It seems like... Kermit. The obvious. Oh, he's a Gryffindor. I think so, too. He's such a hairy... And Kermit is interesting because he sort of has a little bit of that, like, he's like a Gryffindor pretending to be a Hufflepuff. Because you're meant to understand Kermit as, like, he is sort of fundamentally decent, but he also really, really needs to be the ringleader. Like, Kermit is the head Muppet. And I feel like if that were challenged, Kermit's demeanor would be challenging with it. Fozzie. Hufflepuff. Yeah, I think Hufflepuff. Gonzo. Really loyal. Yeah. Fozzie's loyal. Hardworking, but not very good at what he's working on. (laughs) (laughs) He's a bad comedian. Yeah. Gonzo's Ravenclaw. Very much so. And Miss Piggy Slytherin. Yes, I do think Piggy is is a classic Slytherin. She's very cunning. Rizzo? (sighs) I don't know. Maybe kind of Slytherin too. You think so? I don't know. He's kind of, he's kind of sly and conniving. (laughs) 
Rolf, the dog. Gryffindor. Gryffindor? Yeah. He's very chill. Yeah, but there's chill Gryffindors. That's true. He's like a Seamus. Yeah. Because he's, I think he's also quietly very confident and self-possessed. Rolf's my favorite Muppet. I don't know why. I just, I, you love I Rolf. Just, I love that he plays piano. It's nice that he plays piano. It's hilarious. When he's playing piano, it slays me every time with his like ears like flying everywhere. <laughs> it's like so nice. Dr. Teeth. Oh, God. I don't know. I feel like weird. the weirder you are, like Ravenclaws are weird, right? Maybe because yeah. I think of like Luna Lovegood, although they're all supposed to be like brainy. I don't know. There's Dr. Teeth has a really big vocabulary. Yeah. He's I think, always I think using Dr. Teeth is Ravenclaw. I think so too. Um Animal? I don't Animal is animal. Animal, <laughs> animal is himself. Animal is his own thing. <laughs> oh, we forgot to say that the Animal big, is peeves. Yeah, basically. Animals is a animal is a poltergeist. Okay. Animal would be peeves in our Harry Potter Muppets adaptation. Absolutely. <laughs> and it would correct the glaring error of leaving peeves out of the movies. And Sam the Eagle would be Professor Bins, who was also totally. not in the movies. Yeah. Okay. I think that's enough probably Muppet sorting. Okay. I want you all to send us your sorted Muppets, though. Mm-hmm. And who you would cast in the Muppets Harry Potter. Yeah. Completely. Who's your unsung hero? My unsung hero are... It's in the very last shot of the movie when it's pulling back from the dinner at the house and it just pulls back to show all these Muppets who've crowded into Bob Cratch's house and it's like the camera is like rising above London and one of the last things you see is this line of lobsters in the window singing along with this, the ending <laughs> song when love is found and it kills me every time. Why? It makes no sense and yet all the sense in the world that they're are like three lobsters like joining this chorus and it's just to me the whole spirit of the muppets is right there what what do they do do they live up there is that their apartment like it could be anything any possible answer makes sense <laughs> frankly they might be christmas dinner i i see that makes sense too that's like kind of dark but they don't i don't think they are they seem very peaceful and just happy to be observing this tender domestic scene. It's amazing that, that that's what you end on. Like, that's what they decided to end on. It is on. actually the last frame. Yeah, that's is those incredible. lobsters. I also love the lobsters because they remind me that all Christmas movies exist in the same universe because there's that scene in Love Actually where the kids, um, Emma Thompson's kids, are getting cast in the Christmas pageant and her kid is like, I'm the lobster. And Emma Thompson is like, wait, there's a lobster at the nativity? And they're like, yeah, a bunch of lobsters. Do you think that's a tribute to him about to a Muppet Christmas Carol? I would like to believe so. I kind of doubt it. Probably not. But there might be some cheeky screenwriter somewhere who just remembers that image and yeah, threw it in. <laughs> Probably not, but maybe. My unsung hero is Animal, as we, you know, we just talked about this fellow, but when they're at Fozziewig's ball, the Christmas party, and um, they're playing this really boring kind of like waltz, and Animal gets fucking bored and he starts playing like a drum solo and all of a sudden Dr. Teeth actually like kind of picks up the pace and the music slaps and everybody's <laughs> just like getting down because Animal is like we are not waltzing this sucks <laughs> I think if I could have anything in the world I think it would be to have had Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem be our wedding band I think about that all the time our ending song of our wedding was moving right along from the Muppet show yeah it was that was our dancing's over song. 
So anyway, if you haven't done it yet this season or ever in your life, take the most joyful 80 minutes you will have in a long time. Watch The Muppet Christmas Carol. Please send us all of your thoughts on The Muppets and who you would sort where and just, you know, we love to talk about The Muppets. Maybe these days kind of more than Harry Potter. Do you like The Muppets more than Harry Potter? No, I mean, I don't think they're comparable in reality. It's a much less richly realized world. The Muppets? Yeah, I mean, they're much more archetypal. Like, there's not as much emotional depth in the world of The Muppets. I think Harry Potter has more to sort of recommend it intellectually but I do love the Muppets what do you do you like Harry Potter or the Muppets better hmm probably Harry Potter you can do I don't you know what I don't want to make this choice yeah I don't know why you asked me to make they're totally different (laughs) this is a fucked up choice to have to make I like them differently I don't want to live in a world where either one doesn't exist yeah and I find them comforting in equal measure I think they are a Muppet Christmas Carol and like the second and third Harry Potter books are the two things I've gone back to at the kind of darkest points in my life when I'm like I literally can't engage with anything except these two particular pieces of culture. (laughs) So that's that. This week's episode is brought to you by Fozzie Wig and Mom's Rubber Chicken Factory. Um, Waka waka waka. And you know you can do what you normally do. This is obviously a one-off but we never don't want to talk about the Muppets. And we will be back to Harry Potter in due course, at which point we will indeed be reading, very fittingly, All Your Faves Are Cancelled, a.k.a. The Life and Lies of Albus Dumbledore. So we'll talk to you then. Until that time, happy holidays, happy winter. Hope you're doing something fun and festive, or at least getting to take a couple days of relaxation. We adore you. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Amigos. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us. God bless us, everyone. <laughs>